Welcome to the What's Literacy Got to Do With It podcast, a podcast for exploring all things literacy in Quebec and beyond. Literacy is more than knowing how to read and write. It's also about empowering each other and yourself to thrive throughout all aspects of our lives. We're your hosts, Jamie Cudmore and Chris Shee. Let's get to it. Howdy, Jamie. I hope you guys are all well. Welcome back to another episode of What's Literacy Got to Do With It? Super excited um, to be here again. How are you doing, Chris? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm awesome. I'm awesome. I'm uh, going well and I'm excited to introduce this episode for everybody today. Mm-hmm. It is what we're season nine, episode three. That's and right. We are celebrating Adult Learners Week. Mm-hmm. It's a very special week at the beginning of April that happens every year. LQ does lots of Supporting and celebrating of adult learners, particularly in this week. So check out our Facebook page and social media for the events happening. Absolutely, absolutely. But on this episode, what are we? What are, who are we talking to today, Chris? Well, you have the absolute pleasure uh, of talking to literacy experts Adam Nobilia and Joe Medlin. And uh, if you guys have been listening to our episodes, you would have caught Joe and Adam on previous episodes mm-hmm. talking about. Lost for Words, which is a televised uh, literacy journey of nine adult learners who are going through an intensive literacy course and they're going about their lives and they're and they're they've all got different goals and they all want to learn different things and achieve these goals and and Adam and Joe are, are the literacy experts on the television program that that are helping these adult learners and uh, and today we also have the 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 privilege of of actually interviewing Mike and Makir, who were uh, also adult learners on Lost for Word Series 1. And uh, and it's just an incredible opportunity to to celebrate Adult Learners Week with these adult learners and to see where they're at now in their life after the series and, and, and learn about where they're going in their life, but also to learn from Adam and Joe again uh, about their experience on Lost for Words. But also, they're in the process of filming a second series mm-hmm. right now, as we speak, um, which is which is focusing on numeracy, and so we're going to learn a little bit about that too. So, I guess Jamie, without further ado, I'm going to hit play, and <laughs> and so people can listen to your awesome conversation with yeah. the, the guys from Lost for Words. Yeah, let's get to it. Let's get to it. We are joined by some folks from Lost for Words in Australia. We're excited to talk to Joe Benlin, Adam Nobilia, Macri, and Mike. Thank you for joining us. Why don't you introduce yourselves? Okay, so I'm Joe Medlin, and I'm the president of the Australian Council for Adult Literacy, which is the peak adult literacy and numeracy body in Australia. And I was in, got involved with Lost for Words through consulting with the production company about how they might go about um, putting together a show. And then I ended up uh, co-teaching with Adam on the show once filming started. Cool. So I'm Adam Nobilia. I'm, I'm a teacher on Lost for Words. Um, and I was um, actually invited by putting a student's name forward. Um, that student might be revealed a little later. Um, and I basically came along because I generally teach in a prison population, 
um, with people who struggle with reading and writing. And um, I found myself on a television show teaching literacy and numeracy. So it was a very big change in, in my life and one that was really welcome. So I had a great time. For listeners of our podcast, you might recognize Joe and Adam because they were on a couple episodes. But we are also joined by two special guests, uh, Macri and Mike. Why don't you take turns introducing yourselves as well? Um, yeah, my name is Mike. Uh, Mike Ritz. I got a opportunity to go on to this Lost for Word show, and I actually got in touch with the show through Adam, and Adam got me into the into the um, documentary series, and then he actually got to forward through and actually be one of the teachers. So yeah, it was a very um, very great experience. So my name is Markety, and um, I found out about Lost through Lost for Word through social media. Um, Jay, the presenter, is quite well known here in Australia, New Zealand. So I was interested to hear what he had to say, and um, they were looking for people who had literacy problems. And I felt like he was speaking to me, and he had the magic potion to help me, you know, with with my literacy journey. And it was a big roller coaster. The, the show is really great. It's, it's very touching. And you, you t- kind of touched on this in your introduction, but uh, what made you want to go on the show? It's so, it's very public. You're very vulnerable in it. And often we don't talk about adult learners in, in such a public display. What made you go on the show? What made you think that it was right for you? For me, it was Jay had said, do you struggle reading to your kids? Are you finding it hard to read emails? It was like, oh, he's speaking to me. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And it was quite an easy um, process. Like instead of saying, email us and tell us your story, it was give us a call and let, and have a chat to us. And it was that simple. And from then onwards, it was like the team behind the show were really encouraging and supportive. So I was like, well, these are nice people. Give it a go. That's very thoughtful that they had a phone number because I could see that it would be a barrier to the show by having an email already. It sounds like it was a good sign. Uh, Mike, what was your experience? What brought you to the show? What what made you think that it was the right situation for you? Yeah, I just always wanted to tell my story. Like just because you can't do something or you can't read or you can't, you have some sort of literacy battle or you you can still do a lot of things. And I always thought this would be a good opportunity to show people what you can do and, and, and what you can do with just a little bit of determination. And also I just wanted to, it was like hope really, like a hope of a different way of learning and, and a different, and a different sort of environment. And so, yeah, that was what I was probably enjoyed the most is I've never enjoyed going to school, but I enjoyed every day going to the show. Not really, like mainly on the on the Saturday, it's just, just the students and the teachers, no camera crews or anything, because everybody was just sort of like, very really got to really knuckle down. It was like, the, that was the best time. Like, yeah, anything we could do, that, wish we could have done that more. But yeah, that, it was an amazing journey. Mike, you said uh, on Saturdays you went and there was no cameras. Do you mind talking about how the, it was set up? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we did normal, we did their normal thing. And Thursday, Friday was filming days. So you did everything to, um, like just doing an activity or in the classroom. 
And then, um, and then Saturday was a day where we all got there, uh, sort of 8.30, I think. And then we could stay there as long as, pretty much as long as we wanted to about, sometimes we stay there to about 4.30. So a big, big, big day, big, like classroom day. But that's when we would all really sort of, you haven't got like the first day in the classroom, you had a camera in your face. Well, and I haven't been in the classroom since probably since I was 14. So like, it was quite nice. You're in there, it was safe. And Joe and Adam, you know, their true colours came out because it was just what they wanted, how they wanted to turn it and stuff. So it was really good. They were the best days. It must have been pretty challenging coming into a classroom, as you were saying, and then entering a space, even after maybe you've had uh, initial introductions to a camera. How did that feel? Sometimes you didn't want to show up. I watched the Lost for Words, and throughout it, it, we have this narrative. It's very difficult for adult learners to come into a classroom because of, of many things. One of the things just being life and being consistent to show up to a space when there's so many things happening. What was it like uh, filming on top of just additional life demands and then learning at the same time? Yeah, it was difficult, but it was sort of like, I mean, I'm not like Matthew had three kids at home. Like, I'm recently just been a father now, so it, it'd be a bit different if I did it now. But um, yeah, it was tough for a few people, you know. We all have all. That's the problem with adult uh, adult literacy is it's not just turning up to go to school. You've got to turn up to go to school, and plus you've got to do anything you would have done in those however time you're at school. You know, that's the biggest one, biggest hurdle, I think. And, and Macri, did you? What did you think about it? Yeah, like, um, that put a strain on everything. I noticed that my kids were upset when I leave the house because you're away all day. And, um, you know, my husband picking up extra, um, and then work. And then on top of that, your normal work hours and worried about that sort of thing. So that was an additional stress. But I also found like some days, I felt like I wasn't achieving anything and I was like, oh, why am I wasting my time? <laughs> so when you did have those bad days, it was like really hard to come back and like push through those, um, those hard times because you, you know, you already have low confidence, but it doesn't take much to knock that away. And Adam and Joe, when you were design, I know Joe, you spent time designing the program, and then Adam, you were there to help deliver it. What did you have in mind with these kind of challenges uh, for the program? It's actually really interesting to hear Markety say that because in a regular adult literacy classroom where you didn't have the cameras and you weren't being directed, you know, to do certain activities, you would really try and address that so that everyone left knowing that, you know, they're valued and that you'd want to kind of have almost an aha moment every session so that people come back. But in some ways on the filming days, that was a little bit out of our control as the teachers because it was this additional layer on it that we were also getting used to. And I think um, I'm taking mental notes, to be honest, for series two, Adam, because I think that it's just something really important. You know, Markety, I probably didn't really realize that you were leaving some days and feeling like, you know, you hadn't kind of had something great come out of that day. And it, and in some ways, I don't know if we could have controlled that, but I'd, I certainly wish that I could go in a time machine and, you know, kind of go back and 
have been a little bit more aware of that and a bit more sensitive to how you are feeling. And so, and, and I guess the other thing, you know, in a TV show is really different is that the reflections from these guys didn't come to Adam and I, they came to the camera. So sometimes when we were watching the show, when it went to air, we went, oh, well, I know I kind of went, oh, I didn't realize that's what they were thinking that day. Yeah, you, don't see, um, you don't see the videos. You don't see us talking after the class. And that would be for you. You probably wanted to know that for the next day. Then you know what's, and you would have known what, what's gone wrong, wrong or right, you know. Yeah, that's exactly right, and that's what would normally happen in a class. So it's just one of those added complications, I guess, of, you know, real people being in a real situation, uh, having this unreal kind of layer of TV on the top. But, um, Markety, I hope, like, by the end it was worthwhile. <laughs> <laughs> I got over the, you know, the hump, the bump. <laughs> I hope you pushed over and gave yeah. you encouragement. You know, it's also like, um, uh, like, um, everybody, everybody had a story. And so, um, and it was very similar stories. Um, so, um, that's what made me feel, okay, um, stick to this marketing because everybody else is in the same boat. You can do this. So that really helped because in the school situation, you're normally the, the bottom of the right, like you're the bottom and, and everyone else is way past you. So, um, that was like the really good thing about this. Everybody was in the same boat. So it made a massive difference. And, and for my two cents on that conversation is I really struggled as a teacher, similarly to Joe in that in a regular classroom, if a student says, Hey, Adam, I'm struggling or I didn't get something out of today or you know, life is getting in the way of my learning. There are things we can do to generally address that, or at least make the make accommodations around the student to to really fit it in, or to to tweak our work so that we can meet the student's needs. But in this case, as Joe said, there's an additional layer. But I have to say, in retrospect, and I did speak to Marketer off camera before, and I said, you know, your tears were real, and the audience got to see the real story. And if it was Joe and I doing the program, no one would have shed a tear. You all would have done wonderfully. And I don't think the audience would have seen the everyday struggle. So for me, that was a really steep learning curve. My, my tendency as a teacher is to protect my students. No one's going to touch them. They're never going to fail. They're always going to be learning. And for the camera to see the moments where you weren't strong, I can only look back retrospectively and think, I'm lucky for that. However, at the time, I really, really struggled with it. And so, Markety and Mike, I think especially to thank you for being brave enough to pioneer the way forward because the learners in the – everyone that's contacted us since haven't said, you know, great job on all the achievements. Yes, they did, but really they said, thanks for showing the world the real-life struggles of people who, who have literacy gaps. So I think that's that was, you know, my take as a teacher. It was really powerful to see those moments. Uh, it did make me wonder if, if that conversation was also happening in class. And I wonder if, uh, I'm just jumping ahead in my, my questions, though, uh, because I want to know, as a learner, what advice this is fitting in quite well. What advice would you give to uh, any teachers, any future teachers, 
and tutors to better connect with learners, particularly in these moments where maybe you're feeling frustrated at, at what the, the day is bringing you or not bringing you uh, and leaving the classroom and, and feeling in kind of a struggle or, or feeling frustrated? Uh, so for, for me, it's every teacher needs to, to realize every student is slightly different in every single way. So you've got to really, first thing to, you can't just teach them, just I'm going to teach them. You've got to work out what works for them and what doesn't. And that's that's the problem. That's the hardest thing is about being a teacher. And, and Adam and Joe can do it very well. But they will spend a lot of time learning and learning their trade and learning learning the art of just trying to, you know, understand the student before trying to teach them. You know, you can't understand them. You're not going to be able to teach them what they want. So that's the problem. That those people, those all those people in that classroom are all different, and they learn all different ways. And one person might have a good day, one person might have a bad day. It's just really trying to understand what you're going to understand the student before trying to teach them. I think it's the best one. My my advice. And also, um, I found like. Um finding things that that individual's interested in. So like whether um, learning isn't so um, off the book, it's like, oh, well, I heard you were talking about gardening. I heard that you love reading story. You want to practice reading stories um, to your kids. So it's like um, finding instead of like, um, you know, it's just finding that, person's interests and that's going to keep them um coming back for more adam and joe what do you think about when you hear hear that there's there's two things to say that about that probably i mean for one thing you know we are both very experienced teachers and that is the approach that well in some ways we were lucky because we weren't constrained by any sort of curriculum. So we could make it up as we went and do what we wanted within the, you know, also having to do the TV sort of stuff. But, but the other thing is that I think both of, both of us genuinely formed real connections with each student. So we were genuinely interested. You know, I wasn't just saying, what are you interested in? Cause I'm a teacher. It was cause I was there with other human beings and we were all going through this experience together. And, um, and so it was just such a nice group and we all gelled so well that it was really easy to do that. And I think, um, both Mike and Mark, it is the information you just told the world just now is what we as teachers need to be reminded of all the time. And, and that is, don't just give me a book on commas or punctuation or how to spell. Give me a book on tree cutting and give me a book on, um, you know, recycled arts. You know, give me a book on something I'm interested in and it will be worth my while to actually progress with it. So I think that's a really big difference between adult learning and learning as a child is as a child, the teacher drives everything. And you sort of get what you're given. Whereas as an adult, well, if Mike wants to learn about something to do with work, we can make it work. If Markety wants to learn about something to do with her work or study or children or anything else, we can make that work. And um, in addition, I think that's what makes adult teachers a little bit blessed as well. Like my job's never boring because my next student might like, you know, lizards. And I'm going to have to learn about lizards really quickly so I can teach something, the literacy around it. Or uh, I'm not bored by teaching commas to different students every day, if you like. But um, So that's that actually makes my job exciting equally. And if I can always be reminded that it's not about me, it's about my students and it's about the connection between us. And in a sense, one and one make three, not two. Um, and I think that's a really important thing is that together we 
we learn and we go on a, a different pathway than maybe even we predicted prior to going into it. I think that's important to remember too. It's such a strong message of, of working together and also highlighting the differences of adult learners um, and their needs of having it being relevant. And something that Joe, you kept saying throughout the series was is is trying to encourage people to become learners throughout their life. And that's a different attitude than many, what many of us have experienced earlier on in school, uh, where it's not a choice. You're there and uh, whatever you're experiencing outside of school doesn't really factor into that learning setting. So it's, it's quite powerful what you're, you're sharing today. I just want to step back and, and talk about how has your day-to-day life been since after the the show, it seemed like it was a quite an intense period of time. There's lots of different factors going on. And uh, watching the graduation, you all learned so much and progressed so much in, towards the goals that you had set out. What were your feelings and thoughts after that experience? Yeah, I think um, I sort of, with the, um, after the program, yeah, I definitely got a, a definitely more confidence of reading. But it goes with everything. You got to keep doing it, and because of COVID and work stuff, it's sort of died down a bit for me. What's a bit frustrating, but it it will come again, and I will do it again. For me, it was just because of like to get on a course, and the courses are you know hard to get onto if you're not you know if pay or whatever. It's if it, it had ever stuff had to to be done, and I was running my own business, so I was just more concentrating on that at the moment and having a baby. So. But in general, life to life, yeah, it's definitely got semi easier in some ways. But and then just, but need to keep doing it. It would be a lot helpful. But um, I have been recognised a few times. It's been quite funny, especially at jobs. They're like I've seen you before, and um, yeah, it's quite quite funny. But I think it's um, some of my workmates really didn't understand or didn't know. Or all friends who it, I really could not read very well, and how have I got this far? So I travelled for seven years, for all around Australia, all around the world on my own, on the planes, and just just, just doing it. Uh, God knows how I did it, but I did it. So I think it's uh, anything, anything could be possible. What were the conversations like with your friends and your coworkers after the show, after they had seen it? More just they couldn't believe it that it was that hard or it is what what it was. Everybody just thought it was just like not many people would be able to do that. Like actually put themselves in the camera crew and admit what they can't do and what they can't their their biggest flaw. Not many people in the world can do that. So that is what people coming onto this new program in the next series is they've all realised you know, the, the biggest flaw, they've got to admit it on TV. And that is, that's pretty hard for anybody. That is uh, such a gift. Uh, like you're saying, not many people are willing to put themselves out so vulnerably. And yes. so thank you. That was fun. It was a good experience. Um, with my experience, um, this thing that came from the show was Joe and Adam. <laughs> um, because I, um, it kind of like put a spark back into me. Um, like for years and years before the show, you got discriminated all the time and I constantly embarrassed. And I suppose I was putting myself in situations where, um, uh, like 
I was earning jobs where you need to be able to read and write. And then when people find out that you can't read and write, like you're not very good at it, you know, it catches them off guard and things get said and my feelings get hurt and I feel like, you know, I feel discriminative, um, discriminated. And so coming off, you know, when you get years and years of that sort of thing, um, and then you go into a show that you have a whole circle of supportive people. It kind of put, gave me the spark of like, okay, um, go study. You know, you've got the, you know, it's possible. Go figure it out. Um, but I'm studying online and I get help from Joe, which has been wonderful. But with my family life, with my work life, and then struggling to even know how to work the website. I don't know how to load assignments. I've been trying to figure this out. I don't know where to find my next assignment to download. I have no idea how to navigate the website for um, my online learning. It's like it throws you back again and you're like, oh, I not only have to study, but I have to figure out how to work and get my information and where to find it and then how to read it and make it sink in. It's like, it's not just studying. There's like other levels before you even get to studying. (laughs) So so I'm really like, you lose your patience and yeah, it's, it gets so frustrating. It sounds frustrating, uh, but the, what you're saying of finding the spark and, and still trying to to try is sounding really important. Both of you in, in your lives have so many things happening and going on. Um, and, and you said, uh, Macri, you were reaching out to Joe, finding the support that you need uh, at the times when you can. Uh, that sounds important and good advice. Yeah, I feel like... Um Anybody that does have literacy gaps, um, find the help. Like, um, yeah, it's, it's possible. Oh, reach out. It's like a job interview too. Like, sometimes you don't click with that person. So, you know, just keep out saying, hey, like, I need help, please. And um, that's what Joe and Adam have always said. Like, always keep reaching out. Joa and Adam, uh, what advice do you have for students who are outside the classroom but still are, are trying? Well, actually, I was just thinking that the advice there really shouldn't be to the student, should it? It should be to the education provider to say, why are you creating a system that puts so many other barriers in front of people that are so unnecessary and nothing to do with their competency or their job? Um, and that's just such a massive issue that we just we just don't seem to be getting on top of, no matter how much advocacy we do. We, you know, in Australia, we just had um, last week in the Parliament the inquiry into the importance of adult literacy was tabled in the Australian Parliament, and yet he, you know, we still got the six people not not being given a system that they can use. And I, I, I've said to Markety. Like for the past few years, every student that I've tutored and helped, we do the same thing. How do you actually find where the material is? That's the first barrier to 
outcome. And then how on earth do you use the system before you even start learning any of the content? So, you know, there's a message out there, isn't it, that TAFE and other RTOs, patient providers, get their picture and, you know, start doing something about making things accessible for all of us. Um, and to mirror what Marketing and, and Joe said there and Mike as well is that uh, I, we, we both know marketing personally and she has all of the skills for her profession, more so than most people. Um, and um, the barriers that are given in the, the online space uh, make it inaccessible. Um, and I think it's worthy of mention that we've all gone through COVID. So, um, you know, my, my advice to marketing is stay with it because you recognize now that, you know, online learning is not for you and you prefer to be in the classroom and, and that's learning in itself. And, and I think as adults, we can all, we can all get better at learning about how we learn. And if, and that's the lesson that I would take from that saying, not that you can't learn, but that you simply prefer to do it in the classroom with face-to-face people. Other people prefer to learn online. I don't. <laughs> I prefer to be in the classroom too. So that's important to know for when we sign up to our next course. I know when I sign up to courses as a student myself, I choose face-to-face. Um, but unfortunately, because of COVID, we've been limited by that more recently. And I hope that's starting to to um, subside and that those choices will become available again to choose between classroom learning or online. But the point taken, it, there are too many barriers if you do choose to do online and it doesn't really give a student an opportunity to showcase their existing skills, which are far and many. And if we put those barriers in place, people with amazing skills like marketing are going to say, you know, I don't want the calls, thanks very much. I'd, <laughs> and and we, the world will be less for having not her skills in the world, and that's really important. Mm-hmm. And these are really powerful messages where you're saying it's not necessarily only up to the individual, and we need better a better system, better reduction of barriers, finding out actually what is causing uh, those barriers and addressing them, so not putting it all on the ind- individual. And I also like what you're saying about if you're not clicking with someone, maybe there's another person who can help. If you don't like online learning, that's an amazing learning to know that maybe there's another opportunity elsewhere to to keep trying. So these are important messages that it's not all on one person's shoulders to solve. That's, That's very strong. We talk a lot about digital literacy, particularly because of COVID and the shift to and focus on only uh, learning online. It has left so many people out. Uh, it is a real uh, issue that uh, in many ways, it's one thing to learn, uh, to gain those skills, but it's another thing to leave other people behind. There's support out there, but it's like you call out and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Oh, could you please email? Yeah. <laughs> like, guys, like, I just told you I'm struggling. I need that interaction. Like, can't even, like, I don't know how to explain my struggles in the email. Little things that create barriers and then those barriers become like, you know, you're busy, life's busy. And so it, it gets set back and then, you know, you lose that motivation and you're like, well, life, you know, gotta, like life carries on. You've got to pay the bills. You've got to look after the family. So, um, I can understand why people like people drop out of these things very quickly because um, there's too many barriers and 
the simplest things might be might be so simple for most people, but it's not simple. There's like ten steps before you even get to the first step. For a normal person, yeah. Uh, going back to what Monty said then as well is just even having somebody on the phone. You know, like sometimes you just need to rant or you need to say, "I'm struggling here." I'm really confused. Can you just talk me through how to get on to the right bit? And you can just do it over the phone because they can speak. Let's find what you could do by just working together with the team. And that's that's where face-to-face learning is so much better because you can see when somebody's struggling before they've even started struggling. And then it's, you're, not, you're constantly going on a high. You know, when you're on a on the computer and you're doing it on your own, you're doing this and you just... We're not learning as much. I know I don't. I know I just get a bit like, oh, I'm, I'm just like, this just... Because I like to have a chat or, I'm, or I like to go up and I just get, you know, I need, I need to be focused in different environment. Like, it's, for me, it's like a job. Going to a different environment and no distraction how I feel learning. What advice would you give for other adult learners? Just don't be, don't be ashamed. And admit to ask for help. Don't just sit there struggle. But that's the one thing I don't do. I don't sit there struggling because it's not going to make me feel any better. It's just going to make me really annoyed. So don't struggle and find the right course for you. You know, me and Adam did this thing for um, um, for um, the dyslexic hotline, and we said something where it's just if there's something you enjoy doing, try and study towards that, and that will probably give you a bit more drive or a bit more. I've got a bit more excitement to learn. That's my biggest one. And, and, the, and then Joe said that to start saying, find something they like and try and learn on those ways. With Mike, Mike was the, um, I was the complete opposite. And Mike was the one that gave me perspective because I was the one that had the negative, like, oh, like, what are these people talking about? They don't know the struggles. So, and then Mike was the positive, influence where it was like no like let's keep pushing through let's go let's go so i understand the um the struggles and embarrassment and that all comes with that and it's just about like getting over that embarrassment and just keep asking for help like just keep asking doesn't matter you've got to find that person that you're going to click that's going to help you just keep asking and um, let go of that um, embarrassment. And that's what Mike taught me was to, like, you know, help everybody, you look up, like, you get what you need to get out of this program and um, and don't be ashamed about asking for it. Wow. Mike, I, I did see you do that encouragement on, on the show. Um, how do you keep that kind of positivity or just at least encouragement throughout adversity? What makes you motivated? What makes me motivated since I knew I couldn't read and write. My, if it wasn't for my mom and my dad, like very sort of very supportive at school, you know, I, it was always you can't do this, you can't do this. It's constantly you can't do something. And by the time I hit 14, I was like, through this, I'm this is done, I'm not doing this anymore. But I'm the do what I think is the right, and that's how I've done everything. I've always gone. One of the boys at work said, "Oh, you can't do that. You can't read and write." I said, "Well, you don't know that yet. You, you just think you can't do it just because I can't do this one, this one tiny little bit. What you think I need to do, but the job's this big, or something. You know, like that's I don't get it. 
have a bit of confidence in your team. I'm a big believer is you've got to, got to work together or you've got to just not be able to read and write. It's not the end of the world. It's not, it's not, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be put in a category. We're in 2022. It should, everything should just be a lot more kinder to each other and just help each other. I'm a big believer in that. I think you're right. Nothing's possible. You can't. Like, if you tell me you go up Mount, have to climb up Mount Everest, but I have to read the sign before getting up there, like, what? I'm not be able to do it. No, I just miss the sign and just carry on walking. But what's the difference between that one little bit? Just help me with that one little bit and I can do the rest. Simple as that. I just wanted to go back to, to I guess, what both of you are saying about, you know, the confidence in getting over the shame and that people, sh- you know, shouldn't feel that way. But I, I kind of want to flip that around as well and say that this is, shouldn't be up to each individual to take that step and to have to be that brave. We, you know, as as the rest of us in society, we should be reframing the whole way that, that we talk about this issue. We're all lifelong learners. Literacy changes all the time. I mean, you know, Mikey would have been quite proud of me because the other day for the first time I used QR code on the table using my phone to access the menu at the pub. Um, see, you know, that's a literacy challenge I had never coped with and I had put off and off, but I had no young person with me to do it, so I had to do it myself. Um so we're all lifelong learners and we're all experiencing new types of literacies, new demands in reading and writing. So why are we still talking about adult literacy like it's kind of just this little issue over here that belongs to some people and it's up to them to get brave? I think it's up to the rest of us to talk about this in a whole different way and just say at any time in our lives any of us could have literacy gaps and we need to have a society set up where we can just really easily reach out, get help straight away get some assistance, get some ideas and feel supported. Um, and, and we should be getting rid of words like, you know, illiterate and enumerate and all those sorts of ridiculous words. And, you know, you'll notice that we're all talking about literacy gaps because it's just some gap, um, yeah, you know, and it's not affecting the rest of our lives or how successful we are, you know, except where we've got those gaps and we could address them in some way. Joe's very right about that. Um, constantly being discriminated for not being able to um, to have those literacy gaps and um, constant it's, it's, a, it's, it's a weekly thing actually and um, if people um, just kind of um, had, just had a different perspective put their, you know, got to know that person they'll realise oh that person may not be able to read properly or write properly but man they are so good at this and they would make such a good contribute so much to my company if um, we focused on this and gave them the right training because um, people who do have literacy gaps that's not the job that they should be in they should be in you know some really um, fantastic roles and we don't get those opportunities because we have those um, literacy gaps and it's a shame because um, this, you know people automatically think that oh they can't read and write that means they won't be able to do this job and it constantly happens and that's where I feel like people the public needs to change it's just um, it's so frustrating. I was simply going to say you know to put another perspective on it is you know I'm a car driver I'm the worst mechanic ever I I, I don't know how to fix a car. But I'm not ashamed to ask a mechanic to fix my car. I'm quite proud to find a good mechanic. I pride myself on finding someone who can do that. I simply can't do it. Um, and I'm not ashamed that I can't fix a car. 
I think the similar thing is that the, the, the pride is in saying, well, I looked around for a good teacher and I found one. You know, um, Mike's amazing. If there was something wrong in my house, I would ask Mike to do it. I, I wouldn't know the first thing about it. Mike would be the first person I'd call. If, you know, if I'm looking for someone to know how to deal with children and to care for them, I'd be asking Markety. These are two really important life skills that I don't have. I just happen to be good at reading and writing. You know, so be it. You know, that, that's, I don't see it as any major difference apart from one is has a stigma around it and, and others don't. Um, and I think one thing I would like to say to the world while I've got the platform is as a teacher and for the teachers listening, one thing that I found really important is to to really be able to empathise and, and to hear Mike and Markety speak. Sometimes I don't get it. So for me, what I've tried to do in my own just personal practice is put myself in the position of a student and learn something that's really hard. And I, at the moment, I'm learning Italian and piano, and it's frustrating. It's really, really, really frustrating. And every time I do that thing and I'm like, Yep, that's how Mike felt, and that's how Markety felt the other day. And I truly can empathise because I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm sort of understanding. I'm trying. I'm not. I'm not all knowing. I don't know everything. Um, but sometimes we forget that these are real feelings that come with not being able to do something or not being strong at it. And I think the teachers out there, we could be better at putting ourselves in positions a position of a learner in, in whatever capacity and, and it gives us that ability to empathise even more. i tell you what gets me done is, is always being reminded you can't read them all. Like you can watch a documentary and you're loving a documentary but they tell you about at the end of the documentary about what they've done and stuff but it's all read it. They've read it. Like you've got to read it. I've got to find somebody to read it. Like um, I was saying to my, I was watching a, a a film and I watched it when I was seventeen years old. But they had like a, a headline at the back of all the, like what happened, and it came on again. And I said, "Great, can you read that?" She goes, "Oh," and she read it, and I was like, "Oh, so that's what it was all about." And I didn't know that till I was, I'm thirty. I didn't know that till I was seventeen. Seventeen when I watched it, and I didn't actually understand what it meant till I was thirty because I didn't read the bit at the end because I could have nobody to read it for me. Major that I can't believe, and now it's just that's the. The beauty of my life is you got to you, you get reminded a lot. But you know, I, I, I'm proud to be dyslexic. I, I know it sounds a bit silly, like, like that, but I, I'm you know, I don't mind not being able to read and write. But it, it, it is hard. It, is, it can be very rewarding when you do learn a word, though. You know, or you do learn. Like, Rachel writes me a card every year for Christmas, for my birthday, and I read it. Which makes it really easy to read. You know, like. That's, those are the, those are the pros and the cons and the, and the, the good things about learning, being a learner is you do get some good times to, you know, some good wins. Really encouraging to hear your, your thoughts on this. And it's making me think about the next season and what your hopes are for the next season of, of Lost Words. Uh, what you hope the show does focuses on what they can learn from. From this last season, I, Mike, I noticed at the end of Lost Her Words, they also had the, the little uh, stories written down about where you folks were at. And so when you were just saying that, I was like, oh, that was also uh, written. So it's these small things that are very frustrating that are taken for granted by lots of people. And, and I think, um, I think Rach read that to me. And that was that she was like, well, they didn't need to, they didn't need to write that. They could have just. They could have write it, but then had somebody, Adam or Joe, reading over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
can't be done. But that's the people think they're thinking about somebody who can't read and write. But then, like these people would have done the whole show. They know that they can't read and write very well, but they still did that at the end. Just silly. But I understand people can't. You can't always get them right. And you can. I do understand that. But yeah, it's one of those things. And you can get everyone. You we'll keep that in mind, Mike. Back to the production team. Good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, like it's a silly. <laughs> I, I, I was lucky Rachel was there because she read it to me. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to the next season because it makes the general public um, open their eyes more, not to it, it breaks that stigma. So the more we do this, you know, it might be my future boss who watched the show and he's just like, wow, you know, I didn't realize that. You know, I want to hire you because I know that you're talented at this stuff. That is the one good thing about the show is that it's breaking that stigma. Um, and that's the most important thing because everybody has their different ways of learning and not everybody's going to get to, um, no one's going to be able to read and write the way that they wish they want to. But it's about the general public breaking that stigma and saying, Hey, yeah, these people have these gaps, but don't judge. Yeah, well said. And I'm looking forward to, to meeting a new group of students who I have not personally met yet. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what – there's always this um, constant challenge in, in, in the new world of TV, which I'm very new to, is that producers might say to, to John, hey, have you got the lessons ready? And I would say, I haven't met the students. <laughs> How can I make the lessons without meeting the students? So. Um, that's really important to me. I no good me writing a lesson before I meet a student. So that's something that I have learned to do more so on the fly is when, um, and I think to, to summarize what Mark had said earlier about online learning, the, the things that really engage with marketing were things that we learned on a Saturday or we learned Friday afternoon when she said something. It wasn't, these were accidental things that she might have just said in passing that actually became the whole focus of her learning. Um, she said, oh, I'm interested in recycled art. And we're like, right, let's do that then. But that's not what you turned up with. You said, oh, I want to improve my reading and writing a bit. But when we found the thing just in conversation, it really directed where we focused our attention and hopefully for you too. But um, yeah, so series two, I'm looking forward to new students, but I'm also looking forward to, I feel like we're really building a community. Even the fact that all of us from series one Call each other. We've all, there's, there's no, we're all in contact with each other. You know, I was speaking to marketing last night. Joe speaks to Shell. I speak to Mike all the time. We're all just building a community and I hope gradually we can build that community. And, you know, maybe when one of the new students is struggling, I'll give him Mike's phone number and he can give him a pep talk. You know, I think, I think, um, that's what I'm hoping for into the future that we, we build this community. And I want to acknowledge the people in the room because you guys were the first. And if, this continues on into ever. You were the first, and I think that needs to be said because it's something we're really proud of. But with Joe, Joe and Adam, when you got the the green light for the new program, what was it? How did you feel? Because I know you both by the end of it were like, ugh. because like, it is. It's very tiring. I mean, they're great and they're doing their and they're only doing their job, and that's what's amazing for them. But it's nice to see you guys want to do it again, but I, I, I'd say, and I'd definitely put my money on it, you will be trying to do it a different, you'll be putting in a definitely a better thing. Because there was, there's, there was areas where we should have had a teacher. 
with us, not to help us, just to give us that little bit of a like, somebody who had our back. Not saying any staff didn't, but somebody who could just like, right, think about it, go for it. Like even that when we were walking around the shopping area, you could have you could have just out of camera and just said, right, just stop, like let them struggle a bit and just sound it out. But it was good TV, and I do agree with it. But mm. yeah, are you guys going to feel like to do it a different way? Or a different spin. Um, I, the one thing that we'll do a little bit differently in series two is we'll we'll also shine the spotlight on numeracy as well. Um, we didn't do that in series one. Um, I know people did learn those skills in series one, percentage and and measurement and things like that. However, I think they were edited out because we only have a certain amount of time to show on television. But Joe and I will be focusing a little bit more on numeracy this time. And the other thing we we've learned as well um, is that we really want to map the learning to the to the challenge not just yeah. the classroom stuff is learning and the challenge is something altogether different so if it's a shopping challenge then maybe we'll do a lesson around shopping if there's a transport challenge then we have a lesson around transport so yeah, yeah, yeah. i think we can marry those things together a bit more that's my personal take on it and and I know, you know, the producers, this was their first time doing it too, and I commend them and even as much as they've got a job to do to put a television show forward, and it's frantic at the end when they're looking for a shot of Mike saying something. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I learned, it was a really steep learning curve for me around TV too, but I, I have to say I liked it. It was a new experience, different than working in jail, that's for sure. And yeah. um, I'm looking forward to the new one, and we'll see, see how we go. What about Joe? Yeah, I think you're right. We were exhausted by the end. Um, but, you know, that's 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 why term, schools are set up in terms, isn't it? Because students and teachers are always exhausted at the end and you need that little bit of a break. But we've had, you know, we've had a bit of time fresh and to rethink and I think such good things it in terms of awareness and the number of people who've stepped up to be volunteer tutors across the whole country is just absolutely amazing. And I've got hundreds people who've contacted me through the Literacy Council to, to say I'd like you or I'd like you to teach because it looks like what you did was really rewarding. So that is super exciting, Adam and I, to be inspiring people to get into the field and be adult literacy teachers. So um, I'll, I'll eat get lots of vitamins and <laughs> try and get a good night's <laughs> sleep this time. <laughs> yeah, it was hectic. It also, was. in the show, there were, like, so many moments where everybody would just, like, well, I did the most, rolling eyes, like, really? Are you really going to make us do this? Like, you're kidding me. So, like, hopefully they won't do as much as the stuff that they made us do. There was a lot of... I don't, I don't know. I mean, we're both not on the program, so they can do whatever they like. They can do whatever they <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really interesting, though, that what you're both really saying is what we love with the Sat Days because the Sat Day was the real class. People yeah, love yeah. adult literacy classes when they're actually getting there, which is probably a really good message. They deliberately did that to make us uncomfortable so they could get the, so they could really see what we struggle with. Yeah. Um, um, you know, Mike basically obviously saw what Mike struggled with at the supermarket. You saw what I struggled with, um, being open and telling people. <laughs> I had never done that. So, I mean, that was a really good thing that they did that because I know lots of people who are in Mike and myself situations. So that was cool. 
And I suppose a lot of people can agree with that. Um, but there were a lot of things that you thought, mate, I want this, like, give me more because I, I need to get more out of the situation. But, um, it was, no, I think the documentary turned out the way that it should have been. It had a nice mixture of drama. It sounds like it was quite an interesting experience all throughout between learning, hopefully learning what you wanted and working towards your goals, but then having these moments where you knew you had to make the TV work for the show. Being behind the cameras, they were the ones because me and Mike wouldn't have felt so comfortable at all if it wasn't for the team behind us. Like they were, um, you know, good at that job. Yeah, they're very good. And also genuinely cared. They, like, genuinely cared. It wasn't a fake. It was like, we genuinely care about your well-being, what you're going through. Like, everybody just had so much patience. So, um, that's what one of the, that's like everybody in the documentary was so, um, open with their story because it is the whole collective team. That's really important. I would hate to hear the opposite out of your experience. We're close to time and I would want to be very respectful. I know you have very busy lives, so thank you so much. Are there any final thoughts you want to leave with us uh, about where you're at, what you would uh, tell to other people, anything at all? Yeah, my big one is don't, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed to be able to speak up. And, and if you, I'm a big... Um, Sort of a, a what's it called? A big, sort of, I'm pretty ambitious. Just because it can, uh, I'm going like I said to Adam once. I said I'm going to write a book. I don't even write four words. Like I can't write very many words. But there's always a way of doing it. So yeah, don't be a bit ambitious and don't be ashamed and ask for help. Yeah, awesome. always ask for help. Like you know, life gets on top of you. That's okay. But keep going back and asking for that help. Um. And, um, yeah, just keep asking for help. You get discouraged easily, but, you know, pass it. I'd like to say for the teachers out there who are listening, um, hear, hear Mike and Mark words because if someone does approach you and ask you for help, please know that that might have been three years of anxiety of not asking and, and you're the person they ask. So be really, really open and respectful. This is a really important time. If, if a student asks me for help, I don't take for granted that they just thought about it 10 minutes earlier. Maybe they've been putting that off for years and years and years and and that interaction in that very moment could make or break that person's literacy journey. So please, for the teachers out there, uh, know, know that um, it's not something they thought about 10 minutes earlier. It's been something that they've been wanting to do for some people their whole life. So, yeah, that would be my message. I just want to say thank you. Thanks to Mike and Marky and Adam. I think um, you've, you've said it all and, and really well. And you've, again, you've been really open and shared everything with us. And it's just really lovely to actually hear from your perspective instead of, you know, to be hearing from teachers and people who don't really understand. So thank you again. You've just been so generous for the last 12 months. It's really wonderful. And thanks to you all. It's such uh, a wonderful conversation that we get to share. I think I mentioned uh, when we were not recording that right now we're celebrating Adult Learners Week, so it's a perfect time to chat with you. What you're saying are great reminders out there for people working in literacy and also very encouraging for people who are 
trying to ask for help and thinking about it and uh, maybe working towards their own goals. So thanks to you all. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. Well, there you have it. Yeah, what an episode. Another one down. It was such a great time chatting to those folks. It was really special that we got to hear about their experiences and the upcoming uh, season two of Lost for Words. Um, so we'll put all of the links that we talked about into the show notes. But first, what do we have to talk about, Chris? Well, first, uh, we have to reach out to CBC Radio or anybody listening in Quebec and Canada so we can get uh, Lost for Words aired in Canada. So if yeah. you're listening... <laughs> No. Chris has been hard at work trying yeah, to make that happen for us. Try, you got it. Um, so, everybody, I just wanted to promote uh, Lace Up for Literacy at this year's Charity Challenge 2022 because between March 24th and the 24th of April, uh, you can get out in the great outdoors and run, skip, jump, hop, cartwheel, 1, 5, 10 kilometer, 21 kilometers, and actually run or participate for local literacy councils in Quebec and raise a few few bucks for for them to be able to put their programs together but also just to fly the literacy flag in general and just you know continue the importance of of work that literacy councils are doing around quebec in order to support english-speaking quebecers in their lifelong learning journey so uh we'll put the the notes in in uh, our show notes in order for you to register for this mm-hmm. this year's event so lace up for literacy gang Always fun to be a part of that and get outside, especially during this springtime. Looking forward to it. And as always, we're going to remind you with the Literacy Helpline. The Helpline is a free service that provides information and support for tasks that require reading, writing, and or digital literacy skills. You can call them at one 521 for assistance. That's one 521 for assistance. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. Uh, now, for Adult Literacy Week and celebrating, we have Rowan Higgins, an award-winning spoken word poet, educator, dynamic speaker, and impact coach. Her mission is to ev- uh, elevate her audience with important life skills such as self-care, resilience, leadership, creative literacy, and community well-being. And uh, y'all need to get along because Rowan Higgins is awesome. I got a chance to meet her at our studio where she recorded some some videos, uh, and and they're going to be um, uh, be of her promoting or reading poetry rather, <laughs> and uh, and that's going to be on our on our social media accounts and so forth. So check that out. Rowan's awesome, and uh, we can't wait for, for you guys to get along and hear her speak. So there Excellent. You have it. How exciting. And as always, for all upcoming literacy events, check out our members' websites, our social media for updates, and we'll put that link into our show notes as always. Hey. Yeah. That's our episode. Thank you. Thank you for everyone. Yeah. yeah. Thank you to Barbara Testek Abode for our social media promotion of the podcast episodes. Who else, Chris? We got Jerry Legal for our awesome What's Literacy Got to Do With It theme music. And mm-hmm. and look, we're going to probably put a few variations of our theme music he That's just created. Right. He's awesome. I can't believe yeah, that. Looking out for us, creating yeah. new music yeah. for us. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks, LQ, for all the support that you're giving the podcast. And look out for our next episode coming out next month. Mm-hmm. So. And, you know, subscribe, share our podcast, write to us at admin at literacyquebec.org. 
Send us a voicemail at 514-508-6805. Check out our YouTube channel. Find us on Facebook, Instagram. Our handle is at Literacy Quebec. And until next time, Chris. Happy Adult Learners Week. And just wanted yep. to say a big shout out to all of our members that work with adult literacy learners all around the province of Quebec. Mm-hmm. You guys rock. We, you are true literacy warriors and we we really commend you for all of the work that you're doing. So there's a shout out for our Great. For our big members. thanks to them. <laughs> thanks, Jamie. Thank you, Chris. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.